Our natural world inspires and shapes us, so it's critical that we work to protect it. I'm Alex Honnold, professional rock climber and founder of the Honnold Foundation, and this is Planet Visionaries. As a climber, I've been fortunate enough to see both the beauty and fragility of our planet. That's why I'm proud to be joining Rolex and the Washington Post Creative Group to bring you stories of inspiring people who are helping to solve some of the most important conservation issues that we face today. For nearly a century, Rolex has backed explorers and innovators who strive to understand and protect our natural world. In this series, we'll dive into the stories of those people who are at the forefront of the quest to keep the planet perpetual. On this episode, I get to talk to Miranda Wang, a scientist dedicated to solving the huge problem of global plastic waste. She co-founded NovaLube, a company working to turn unrecyclable plastics into new high-end materials. Hi, Miranda. Welcome to Planet Visionaries. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. Let's just dive into what you do. So I'm Miranda Wang. I'm an entrepreneur and science technology innovator. And so uh, I founded a company named NovaLoop with my best friend, Jeannie Yao. And together we are working on upcycling or transforming plastics that are really hard to recycle today and um, turning them into high value, high performance materials that can go into building really, you know, high end products that we all use every day and depend on. I mean, how, how does that even work? Like, how, how do you do that? It's a pretty complicated chemistry. Give you an example, kind of what that means is we take simple things like plastic trash bags that are, you know, discarded in people's trash bins. Um, and, and we work with waste management companies. We get plastics like these trash bags and we will transform it into high value materials. And so that is the type of transformation we're talking about here. And we're coining that as upcycling. You know, how did you get interested in upcycling plastic? Um, like, like, how is that even a thing? <laughs> like, at what point were you like, this is what I want to do with my life? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I didn't really realize that this is like basically what I was going to do with my postgraduate life until I started pitching investors and realizing if I get their funding and this is what I'm going to be doing in my life. So, <laughs> so this started actually when I was a, when I was still in high school, um, my co-founder and Back then, we were we were high school buddies. Um, we went on a field trip to a waste transfer station in Vancouver. This is where like everyday household garbage goes to get compacted before it gets taken to the landfill. And I was just so completely astounded by how much plastic waste was just getting crushed and sent to landfill. <laughs> you know, you see all these trucks dumping plastic in and people operating the machines. It's just clearly something that people don't even think about anymore. Like, it's like that is the way society handles our stuff after we're done with it. And is, is that the kind of field trip you get sent on when you've misbehaved? <laughs> it's the kind of field trip you get sent on when you get excited about volunteering to compost and stuff at school. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so paint a, paint us a picture of what that pile of trash looked like. So, I mean, what's it mean to be at a waste transfer site? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, it was more of a pit of trash. Um, it was inside an undercover building and this pit was like the size of a football field. <laughs> the whole thing was filled with trash and people were, uh, driving, you know, their pickup trucks to the edge and just like dumping truck beds full of, you know, there was old furniture, but there's just a lot of plastic in there. And, and all this plus stuff was getting picked up by 
by a giant claw that was throwing it into like a big crusher. <laughs> um, and it was so overwhelming being in front of this uh, operations and just seeing how much how much stuff was just getting like completely destroyed and ready to be buried. Um, I think I was just shocked to see that this was the standard way humans dealt with their stuff. You know, you hear about all of the reuse, reduce, reuse, recycle. I wasn't seeing that. And it was clearly wrong that society treats, you know, our relationship with our stuff is really, really, really messed up. And I think in that moment, I realized I, I had to do something about it. <laughs> you know, I was a student at the time. Um, it's just clearly something was missing. We needed a real solution here. And, you know, why was that your calling? Like you decided to create that solution. You know, where did that come from? As I got older and started thinking about it, it was, uh, first of all, very disturbing. And also more importantly, realizing that's obviously something here had to be done, right? Like if humans are going to continue living on this planet, this just can't continue. I mean, if you think about it from an evolution or a timeline perspective, I think the invention of man-made materials like plastic is a miracle. Like it's allowed so, so many things to be possible in our lives. So many people to get proper, you know, sanitation, for example, quality of life. So the invention of it from fossil fuels in some ways is inevitable. But what we do from here and how we how we can harness the benefits of that material without letting it cripple our planet is, I think, one of the major questions of our generation. And if we can figure that out, you know, I think there's a way here that we can use this material without without killing, you know, everything that matters to us. And I, I realized it was a very meaningful, a very personally meaningful thing to to be part of that journey. That's amazing. I mean, if you feel like you can make a difference on that scale, it's like, yeah, you almost feel like you have more obligation to, to do so because that is such a such a pressing issue. Yeah, I think, you know, when I initially started this with Jeannie, we didn't really know exactly how our technology would work. There were many different paths, many different kinds of technologies, you know, between chemistry, biology, um, combinations of them that we could have adopted. And we ended up arriving at the process technology we have today, but there are many other paths that we see, you know, just many ways that we can use plastic waste as a starting material to make new things. And that's what's really interesting, right? It's kind of a puzzle, just like similar to how you try to figure out how to how to climb El Cap, right? And and <laughs> you're navigating that. It's, it's similar to, to that, um, you know, but we do it for for these molecules and thinking about how we can tear them apart and rebuild them. Miranda knew she wanted to help reduce the world's plastic waste, but figuring out how took some experimentation and creativity. So what is unrecyclable plastic? It's plastic that is not recyclable with existing state-of-the-art technology. And the word recyclable here, when I say it, means turning something into a second generation product that performs just as well as the first generation. And so if I guess by that standard, few things are really recyclable today in our world. You know, I'm curious why you decided to start a company versus just pursuing the basic science. You know, once you come up with good ideas, you could just distribute the ideas rather than start the company yourself. I'm sort of curious, like, why, why be an entrepreneur versus a scientist? I think the execution part is really what's exciting to me. Coming up with the idea is great. Being able to prove out ideas is, is, is also really interesting. But assembling a group of people and 
learning how to lead and actually make something happen in the world as opposed to kind of hope somebody else will has always given me comfort in my life. You know, it's that that I can make something happen, that it's possible to just not like live and endure through a problem, but I can do something about it. I guess that's why, you know, Rolex <laughs> decided to give me an awards uh, for enterprise. It's uh, what they would call, you know, the enterprising spirit. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a nice way to frame it, though, is that if you want to see your solution implemented, you just do it yourself. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Be the entrepreneur if you want to see it actually happen. What was the first solution that your company tried? We actually started by investigating using genetically modified bacteria or synthetic biology to digest the plastics and then from there create some sort of biological products, like a protein, for example. That was what we started looking at initially. And then we realized that the biological methods that interact with plastics and break them down would happen too slowly on the plastics that are actually ubiquitous out there. You want something that actually works reliably, is scalable, and is economical. And so we then thought, you know, if if the idea is to take plastic waste and turn it into X, turn it into something, right? And that X has to be more valuable, like valuable enough to justify that whole process you put it through. Then what are all the things we can do to that plastic to get to X? And what would X be? Yeah, because what you're saying, the crux of all this is to turn it into something that's actually worth more than the material was to begin with. And so, I mean, is, is that the key challenge in all this? Yeah, it's not just, you know, plastic waste to X. It's not just that the X has to be more valuable than the plastic waste. That's a low bar, right? Like, you know, if you make anything useful, it's more valuable than unrecyclable plastic waste. But it has to be worth more than the cost of doing the process. And eventually we arrived at using a chemical process called thermal oxidation to take polyethylene plastic, which is, uh, you know, the plastic makes trash bags, for example, and do this process, thermal oxidation, and break it down into chemical building blocks. You can take these building blocks and you can synthesize them into man-made materials of these higher value plastics, right, that you can put into shoes or cars. So it, it seemed like we got to our, we got ourselves from plastic waste to a universal chemical building block. And that was really interesting. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it sounds like one of the solutions is so win-win, you know, it seems obvious, like, oh, that's definitely the way forward. So what's something surprising that you've learned along the way, either as an entrepreneur or just as a scientist? I think, you know, from a, from a technical perspective, I started out thinking this was going to be really challenging, and it is. But as I go on this path, I see more and more possibilities. And I think that's a very hopeful message because... I think there's just so much that we can do, you know, from a from a technology angle to be able to build this new circular economy and do do productive things with plastics. On a personal level, I didn't really think I would really kind of dig entrepreneurship this much. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and, you know, it, it took it took a while of doing this until I realized, oh, wow, like a lot of the stats you hear are really disheartening. Right. Like only two percent of venture capital funding actually ends up going to women led companies. And, and that's like, wow, that's really sad. Right. Like like I didn't really know the odds were against me so much. Had I known at the beginning, maybe I would have reconsidered. <laughs> um I think when you are kind of, you know, leading a business and trying to build it at the same time uh, in those kinds of this type of environment where the odds are very much against your favor, it really calls on something on the inside of you. Right. Like you got to have the courage to keep going. I know that's something you're, you're familiar with. 
<laughs> um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's very meaningful. Miranda won the Rolex Awards for Enterprise in 2019, which introduced her to an entire community of other environmental champions. What was your reaction to winning the Rolex Awards for Enterprise? I mean, that that must be pretty, uh, pretty validating. It was just, I, I was just so impressed that the Rolex community, you know, traditionally they funded explorers and people who are out there understanding the natural world. But, you know, getting to the point where they're willing to fund a technology, plastic recycling entrepreneur, you know, in her 20s and, and kind of invest in the the impact that I could possibly make, you know, in my career. It was just a very empowering and humbling experience. And, you know, I'm very, very definitely very happy to be part of this community. Yeah, it's funny you say that because, you know, through Planet Visionaries here, I've, I've had the pleasure to interview a, a few other, you know, Rolex Awards for Enterprise winners. And you're right that a lot of them are doing slightly more primary science in the natural world. But they all talked about the the crisis facing them with, you know, plastic pollution and sort of environmental degradation more generally. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense that that for you to be doing this kind of work, I mean, basically the work that you're doing is critical to the work that all these other folks are doing. Yeah, it's I mean, we're living in the era of the Anthropocene, right, whether you like mm-hmm. it or not. And, you know, when we're looking at space travel and all of these things, we were talking about leaving this planet, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm team planet Earth. Is, so how did winning the Rolex Awards for Enterprise expand your network or, or change the way that you were able to work? Like, you know, it's just meeting cool people like that, having a connection with the environment in a different in a different angle. But also from I think a lot of it came from just, you know, personal self-confidence perspective, just knowing like, yeah, like what I'm doing is something really important. And it's not just important because I think it is, but among lots of projects out there that are doing good for the for the planet, this is a critical area. And just just having kind of, you know, that stamp of approval and having opportunities like this, you know, where I can I can chat with you about it, it really sheds a light onto what my team is working on this general space, which I think most people are not, you know, the most aware about. It's funny, I see a slight parallel to the climbing world, actually, mm-hmm. where uh, when when you're starting as a professional climber, being sponsored means a lot to everybody. Yep. Basically, the validation of having a company or, or a brand tell you that that what you're doing matters is so validating that, you know, it keeps you keeps you trying your hardest. You know, so sometimes it's just about getting a little bit of external recognition that the thing that you're doing is worth doing and it just helps you stay in the fight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's that's very well said. And it's also, you know, it's one thing for them to tell you that is another thing to have people like, you know, Dr. Sylvia Earle come and, and, and tell you that, right? <laughs> so, yeah, totally. so that's, totally. that's, yeah, very, very meaningful. Miranda and her company want to transform the way humans use and reuse plastics for the betterment of our planet. So where, where do you see Nova Loop going from here? So we're working on scaling up our technology. Uh, I mentioned earlier, <laughs> you know, our roadmap, the the challenges. I, I see ultimately what we're building is more than just a, a you know a company that turns plastic 
bags into materials for running shoes. The chemistry that we've created. Okay. Um, <laughs> I hope you have slightly broader ambitions than that. Actually, I mean, that is great. Just but, that uh, alone. Like can... Yeah, just that alone. You, you'd be surprised by the, the amount of impacts you can create by replacing the materials in every running shoe out there. Right. Um, hmm. But, you know, beyond that, we uh, with the chemistry we've created, we can actually get into a much broader category of materials as well. And, you know, what I was referring to is these, these universal building blocks, really getting that into the supply chains and replacing fossil fuels and petrochemicals and building a, a large platform that, you know, existing plastic companies, materials companies are plugging into. So there's lots of opportunity here uh, as long as the markets continue voting <laughs> the way that they do today. What kind of advice would you give to anyone interested in the kind of work that you're doing? I would say probably don't think too much about it and just get started. <laughs> get started and try to figure things out as you, you know, as you're on the path. You just can't plan everything out. But you do need to know why you're in it, you know? You need to know what you're trying to get out of it and why you're in it and plan to be in doing it for for quite a while. Funny, actually, well, the first time I visited a waste plant ever, the person giving me the tour, he was the head operator there. He told me that people who get in waste never get out. <laughs> I remember I remember listening to that and being like, I, I think I even wrote it in my notebook. So I was like, wow, that's a really strange remark. And now I'm starting to feel like he's right. <laughs> yeah, 15 years later or whatever, you're like, oh man, I'm still in waste. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just so much. There's so much of it and so many different kinds. You just never like stop working on doing something with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of amazing. So for the layperson, what can we do to make sure that our plastics are actually recycled? What are the easy mistakes that we should fix? I, I think the you know most obvious thing here is you have to clean your plastics before you put them in the recycling bin. If it's a food container, you've got to wash it with soap, clean it out. I put my plastic containers in the dishwasher. Anything that's dirty, you know, contamination in the bottle, it can mess up a whole batch of recyclables when it gets, you know, to the recovery facility or enters the, the collection truck. That's the easiest thing as everyday people that we really owe it, you know, to to the recyclers for us to do. So a question for you, I guess. Mm -hmm. So you've had a couple of conversations with, you know, a couple of people from the Rolex group. What are some of your, you know, biggest insights about about the bunch of us you've talked to, you know, like how oh, uh, how how would you compare, you know, the the excitement level, what we're doing compared to, you know, uh, <laughs> going up a big mountain? It's really nice to hear about solutions and, and potentially large scale solutions. You kind of need the entrepreneurship that you're describing to actually solve some of the problems. You know, of course, it's important to understand the problems that that, you know, the biosphere faces, but it's nice to actually solve some of them, too. I'm like, man, it's, it's nice to chat about solving problems. That was the amazing scientist and entrepreneur, Miranda Wang. I'm Alex Honnold. Thanks for listening to Planet Visionaries. To learn more about Miranda's work and how you can help make the planet perpetual, check out Novaloop.com. You can learn about the next generation of Rolex Awards for Enterprise Laureates at Rolex.org. And for more information about what you can do to affect change in your own community, follow the hashtag Perpetual Planet. Thanks for listening. <laughs>